You're listening to In The Moment with Liv and Bix. Hey, it's Liv and Bix, and you're listening to In The Moment with Liv and Bix, a podcast for unsuccessful actors by unsuccessful actors. The day that we no longer say that is going to be such an exciting day. Oh my God, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> right. When we're both like just booking jobs left Changing and right. Changing the slogan. We can't even the keep up. What? The slogan. <laughs> the slogan. <laughs> the slogan. <laughs> but actually today is a very special episode because we have two very special guests coming onto the pod today. They are writers, directors, mm. casting, producers. They do it all, they do it all. really. And they're part of Galaxy Visuals and the creators of Pure Magic Pictures. But I don't want to fully take over their intro for them. I would love for them to tell you more about themselves. Hell so yeah. please, let's welcome Kalani and Stephanie. All right. So Stephanie and Kalani, if you don't mind introducing yourselves, tell us a little bit about uh, Galaxy Visuals, Pure Magic Pictures, even some of the work that you have uh, done in the past or anything that you might be working on, wink, wink. So take it away. <laughs> How's it going? Thanks for having us. Hello. Uh, I'm Kalani. Yes, thanks for coming on. I'm Stephanie. It's nice to meet you all yes. over the podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm a writer and director, and um, Stephanie's writer and director as well, producer, and we do all kinds of things. We started Pure Magic Pictures not too long ago now, and that's where we create original movies and shows. Shout out Sky Hoshi Anime Girl coming at you, which will... Hell yeah, will, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. But yes, we do all sorts of things. And we started out doing like client work, like commercial stuff, which is how we met Liv, actually. And then... Ooh. Yes. Uh, and so <laughs> we started doing client work and all that kind of stuff. And we transitioned into doing feature films and... Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything? What is Quite the turn yeah. <laughs> Basically us in a nutshell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what started you guys in this direction? Like how were you writers in the beginning? Were you actors in the beginning? Yeah. So we've we've been doing client work forever. It's basically like all we do. And we've done like commercials for Campbell's soup and like all this random stuff. So like we really big, like legit clients and the whole time we've always wanted to like make movies and we were always like storytellers. And so we kind of decided to like not necessarily like wait around for somebody to give us a call and be like, hey kid, I want you to direct my next my next <laughs> big feature. Say, That's yeah. what they say. Yeah. So um, you know, we, we decided Yeah, you gotta like make your own opportunities. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. So so we decided to step out and start making like features. And so that's that's how Pure Magic Pictures came along. And so we've been like loving it and having so much fun and making lots and lots of things. But yeah, that's kind of how all of that came about. This is just like a personal question for me to know. How did the two of you meet? So we're married. Um, I don't know if we said that already, but we're married. Hey. Um, <laughs> 10 years now. Oh, my God. Time flies. We, Ooh, were, wow. we were babies. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> we were babies. When we met. Um, so we met back in California, actually, where we're from 10 years ago. Oh, shout hey. out. I'm in California right hey, now. Hey. We, we swapped places. <laughs> yeah. And so we got married and Stephanie was originally hairstylist. Do you want to tell a little more of this? I feel like I'm talking a lot. Yes, Stephanie. <laughs> sure. We want to hear from you, yes. Stephanie. Come on. <laughs> yes. We met way back when we were in high school and got married when I was 20. So I was we were very babies. young. We were babies. <laughs> and I was a hairstylist and Kalani was working at a production house. He got a job as a at a summer internship at a production house when he was 16 that job lasted eight years and in that job he learned literally everything because the people asking him to make videos didn't know that you're either an editor oh or an audio engineer or a vfx artist so he learned how to make graphics how to do uh, motion graphics how to edit how to do audio how to record audio how to film everything and just became this one-man band of a video creator. And then, you know, he switched to freelance while I was behind the chair doing wedding makeup and coloring people's hair and all of that. And then basically some of his clients were like, 
well, you're a freelancer, but we want to hire a company because you can't be flying around all over filming things and editing it and producing it. That's mm-hmm. too much for one person. And and Kalani goes, no, no, I have a producer. Her name is Stephanie. <laughs> so I start Amazing. sending emails and organizing things as the producer. And then we form Galaxy Visuals seven years ago today. Yeah, actually, seven year anniversary. Yeah, oh, my God. Seven. Oh, my God. And we're recording a little seventh anniversary. Thank you. you. And we moved from California to New York about eight years ago. And so, like Kalani said, we did the client work trained us. It was like our seven-year boot camp of just every single situation being thrown at you. But I will say when you're doing client work, the artistry and the director really stays with the client. And we weren't able to have that creative outlet that us as storytellers and directors wanted to have. And it started to become frustrating. And we realized we need our creative outlet too. We need to go and write and direct and take all these skills that we've learned and honed in how to make amazing videos for our clients and be able to to utilize that to make something amazing for ourselves. And then we made our very first feature. Kalani wrote it and directed it. It's a adventure film called Plunder Quest. Yeah. I've heard of Plunder Quest. Plunder Quest. <laughs> yeah. And Olivia plays Blue Mermaid. Shout out. That was fun. And you know what the funny, the this is like- The slap heard around the, the world. The slap. Okay. Sorry. This is off topic, <laughs> but the slap. So Olivia was like a day player in the movie. And when I wrote it, actually, I like wrote the script. I was like, I think Olivia could do this. So I, I literally wrote- <laughs> it for her and it like the name of the character is Olivia which I thought was funny I love it and I was like I was like I hope she's around because I wrote her into this movie yeah so so, anyways that was like so much fun that was my first feature and then we wanted to obviously continue to make movies and then so now I'm doing my second feature which we just wrapped called Sky Hoshi Anime Girl and Olivia plays like the lead Sky Hoshi herself Killing it, laser gun and all, uh-huh. pink hair and laser gun. And so, yeah, that was like crazy amounts of fun. And I feel like everything that we've learned thus far from like client work and making two features under our belt, and now this is our third feature, I feel like it all kind of like, kind of came to this one moment in Sky Hoshi where we were able to like really put all of our stuff together and like make something really, really cool. So I'm super excited for people to see it. I think it's like the best thing we've done so far. So I'm I'm very wow. pumped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am very excited. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Also, Stephanie, you also wrote a film and it won a, an award recently. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so after we wrapped Plunder Quest, before we finished post on Plunder Quest, we went out and filmed the movie that I wrote, which is Lily Darling, a punk rock romance. It's a romance between emo teens that takes place back in 2006 when I was a teenager. And it did. It recently won Best Romance and Best Comedy at two separate film festivals. So I'm so excited for that. that's amazing. Yeah, and that was such an incredible experience. All the actors in that film really were so incredible, and it was such an honor to be able to direct such talented people. So that was after Plunder Quest and now on to Sky Hoshi. But yeah, we're just, we're cranking out indie features. Yeah, just keep going. them out. Yeah. And... (laughs) Before we end, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about Sky Hoshi, a little bit of promo at the end. But I do want to get into your creative process, right? You guys have these films, which are really incredible. If you guys go on puremagicpictures.com, it's super easy to navigate. But where do you draw, and either one of you can answer this, but where do you draw a lot of your inspiration from for your films? So when it comes to like inspiration and stuff, like what we both really love is like the movies that we grew up on. So like the classic like 80s and 90s, early 2000s movies is like the era that I love so much of film. So like growing up, I, and to this day, I still watch like Back to the Future and The Goonies and like all of these like old school movies mm-hmm. that I love. E.T., e. Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. So like all of my movie inspiration usually stems from my love of of those films. I probably every like six months watch Back to the Future, like once every six months, probably. <laughs> because it's like the just perfect... Just a little refresh. Just a little, a little refresh. refresh. Literally, yeah. as, as a director and uh, screenwriter, it, it's literally like the perfect film. Beginning to end. It's so... You heard it's it here the first. perfect film. I told you, folks. You heard it. So I watch that like all the time. 
but yeah, like from that era of film, it's definitely like our our favorite era and things to like pull from those those old school things. What do you, what about you? Yeah, my inspiration for Lily Darling specifically is I wanted to watch a romance that I could not find. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, I will make it <laughs> since I can't find there it. There you go. <laughs> so that's where a lot of my inspiration came from for that film. <laughs> when you guys are starting, I true, I wish that I could write script. I wish that I could like create something. Liv and I were actually just talking about this on the podcast. It's one of my like goals for the new year. Oh. So like what does your writing process for each of you look like? Like how does the story come first? The characters come first? I'd just love some insight on that. Yeah, I think it was funny. Me and Stephanie have talked about this before because me and her have completely different, like as opposite writing styles as you could have, like the process. And I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. It, maybe it shows our personalities a little bit too, but it's great. So the way I do it is I'll like sit and I won't even write like a line of anything. I'll sit there and I'll like, I'll come up with uh, outline essentially and I'll outline like forever until I have like a movie like on a one sheet of paper basically it's like this happens and then this happens and I want to see this happen mm. and then oh here's a line of dialogue that I definitely want I'm going to shove it right here make a mental note for later and I'll just go through and I'll rework the outline until it's like okay I can see this whole movie from beginning to end and then I go write the script at that point and then I'll just plow through the first draft like pretty quick Stephanie does the opposite of that. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, we both have written multiple films and it, it works for, for both of us. But what, what, is your, what does your process look like? Yeah, so I have a very different process. <laughs> and that is I have a stroke of like a moment of inspiration. I might write a very brief, quick outline that still I have a lot of questions unanswered, a lot of things that I don't know or understand. And then boom, I'm in final draft plowing through, putting like 90 pages over a weekend on something, on a piece of paper, <laughs> right? And I will say this, and I think other writers have said this too, writing a feature film is a lot of work and there's no way around that. And it's going to take a lot of time. So either you spend that time outlining and then you spend less time writing, or you spend less time outlining and you spend more time doing revisions and editing what you wrote because things aren't working and there's holes and plot points and missing things and right. characters that don't have good through lines. So you're either rewriting and revamping and, and editing the script that you wrote that didn't have a very solid outline, or you're spending a lot of time making a really solid outline and then having a script with a lot less issues to be fixed. <laughs> right. So th there's no shortcuts around this. There's no shortcuts. It just yeah, takes there's no an shortcuts. enormous amount of time and patience mm -hmm. and... It's funny when you write a script, you're like the first draft, you're like, I did it. I wrote a movie. And then you're like, yeah. oh, God, I have to rewrite this like 87 more times. <laughs> yeah. But how do you guys know? Like when you're doing all these rewrites, you're like, this is it. Like, how seriously, how do you know? Yeah. Like after your third, fourth it's rewrite, done. however, how do you know when it's done? That, like it's ready to be cast? Well, the interesting thing about writing a, a movie and like seeing it all the way through to the end, like, so we're both writer directors. So we take right. this script as the script is like our master plan, right? It's it's the map and mm -hmm. it's the thing that's going to take us all the way through. But the script is always ever evolving. And I think that's mm. something as actors too, like you guys know when you're on set, lines will change. And it's like when you're in the moment, maybe you have a moment where you improv a bit and that- In the moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> I see him. I see him. <laughs> our podcast. Yeah. I see him, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so like- the rewriting process never ends. And even when you're in the edit, like all the way through, you'll find moments that you're like, oh, you know what? The look on their face and the way I want this to flow. Maybe we can grab a line of ADR here and maybe that'll elevate this, you know? And so- I love that, yeah. And so for- I like that you're touching on that, yeah. Totally, totally. And so the whole process, like, yeah, we try to get the script as like perfect as we can, but there will always be moments, that's our blueprint, and mm -hmm. there will always be moments of inspiration where you can elevate the movie. And anytime you can, you, you go for it. So like there was plenty of times on Sky Hoshi where, you know, Olivia would have a moment of saying a line that wasn't necessarily exactly on, on script, but it would have it elevated it. And she had an idea for something. And I'm like, OK, that's awesome. Let's keep that. Let's do that. And so there's a lot of moments in the movie where she like improved a bit or, or added a, a, a moment that really elevated the movie that we ended up keeping in the edit. And then 
later on, as we get into the like finishing process in the edit, there are a few lines that I'm cutting out of the film because I'm like, you know, that feels a little redundant now that we're watching it take place. You know, in a script, you're reading it, and by the time you get there, you're like, I feel like it needs another mention here for a through line. But in the movie, when you're watching it, oh, it actually ended up happening a little sooner. I don't think we need that anymore. So let's cut that mention here, and it'll just carry on. So there's so much that goes on <laughs> with making a film mm -hmm. and with the script. And so we always say the rewriting never stops until the movie's done. Never ends. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah. The way that you describe it makes it feel like such a more like immersive experience instead of there being these two things like the script and then the actor mm -hmm. and you guys are just kind of like moving parallel together right. to get to the end with all of this like reworking and changing and evolving. It's more like everything meshes more and it feels like more of an experience. Totally. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just like how you describe that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very creative process between the actor and the director and writer. It's not just like writer an actor, you guys also kind of work together through the processing and exchange ideas too. Right. Which I yeah. feel like happened a lot on like the Sky Hoshi. So be like, wait a minute, what if we try this? And yeah. then Kalani would be like, it's like oh, those yeah, are like the actually. best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the best sets to work on, the best like groups of the people collaborative to work environment. with. Is, yeah. 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 And I love that. I love collaborating with everyone and seeing, you know, there's always people who have ideas and things that happen in the moment. And you're just mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. Like, you know, I, for example, it's like you you write something and then you end up, you write a, a scene and you end up in the room and you didn't realize there was a window there. And you're like, wait a second, uh, there's a window there. I see an opportunity for there to be this moment where they look at each other as they're passing the window. Okay, this is cool. And so then you start to play with that, you know, on in the moment and on the day. And then it starts to become a little bit more elevated and the script might have changed a little bit, but... Mm -hmm. We always say the director is the keeper of the story. And so as long as the story is being elevated and moving forward in the right direction, it doesn't have to be exactly like word for word on page. As long as like the movie is being elevated and going in the right direction, it's always ever changing. And that's kind of the beauty of like the actor director working like relationship where, you know, you have moments where you can like really like expand upon something that you on paper didn't necessarily seem too significant. But in the like while you're there and you're like, okay, no, this this could be really cool. Let's lean into this and let's play this up. And and we had a lot of fun with that when we were doing Sky Hoshi. Like Olivia had a really cool idea for the interrogation scene that we had. She had like pre-figured oh, out the I? blocking. <laughs> yeah, you did all the blocking yourself. Oh. <laughs> I was like, did I do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, she did all the blocking herself. She's like, I want to do this. Funny. So she goes in yeah, no. and she had this idea where she kind of like walks around Adam, who's the, you know, the main guy in the movie. As she's like kind of circling around him as she's like interrogating him, you know, and that wasn't necessarily written in the script, but she came up with this idea and I was like, oh my God, this genius. I love that because she, she knew her character. <laughs> like adds a whole new element. Yeah. yeah. And it added I'll take whole, it. I'll take it. Genius. Yeah. Genius. You, you heard it here. You heard <laughs> it here. Genius. Um, but there was a lot of moments like that where it's like, Together, we really create something like even better. Yeah, it's really cool. So in conclusion, the edit is the final rewrite. Hey. And everybody who's made a movie knows this. And I would say Lily Darling is actually an extreme case where we went in with the edit and changed a lot about that film. And unless you went and read the script, you would never know. So <laughs> the edit is the final rewrite. Wow. Yeah, yeah Lily Darling was oh an interesting God. one. Like the, the movie's night and day difference from the script to the actual movie itself. It's so different, but mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's, it turned out great. That's very cool. Yeah. Improved at every step of the way. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can never, you can never know what to expect it to look like in the right. end. Mm -hmm. To Got answer it. your question like a million years ago, <laughs> yeah, no. you said like, how do you know when like the script is done? Because like, yeah. and then we, and so we do our best to get the script to a place where we truly feel like, okay, this is the story that we want to tell. Mm. It feels really yep. solid. Every character has a through line. The themes are correct. Like you rewrite all day long until you're like, you read it and you're like, okay, this is it. I have nothing to change. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you feel like the script is done. And so, you know, that could be on for Plunder Quest. That took me nine revisions. Whoa. Sky Hoshi Damn. was an interesting one because Sky Hoshi... I did the outline, like 
for mm-hmm. a, a ton. I outlined like crazy on Sky Hoshi. And so I literally, I finished the script in three rewrites. So Sky Hoshi was three rewrites. So it just depends on the scripts. That's my answer on that. that yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. And I would say to writers and artists out, writers and artists out there, you need to be careful because if you keep changing and rewriting a script over and over and over over the course of several years, you're just changing as a person and you're just now creating something new at some point. Mm. So it's hard sometimes. I've, I know so writers who don't know when to call it. That so that's, that's an art in and of itself is learning when to call and say, this is the movie that we're going to make. And it's, I love that now you're talking to these aspiring artists and writers. Cause I, my next question was going to be, what do you recommend? How should someone start if they're interested in writing a short film or feature film? Like, how did you, I mean, maybe you guys are just, this is natural born talent and you guys are just great writers, but, or was there something that you did to really perfect your craft? Yeah, I would say find a movie that you find perfect that you say, mm-hmm. I would love to make something like this. Find that movie and mm. ruin it for yourself by watching it over <laughs> and over and over again and picking apart how the dialogue is written, how everything is described, and then go find the script for that movie and read that script like crazy and learn mm. from that film how that writer and director created the script and the feature. And then go and do your best to it's called story clocking, which is the thing. And it's basically you go through and you, you draw a little clock. And at different moments in the movie, you time out, okay, at the 10-minute mark, we introduced this. Mm-hmm. By the 30-minute mark, this happens. By, by act two, this should happen. Oh, and then act three, this happens. And so story clocking and understand the flow of a story is so important. And so watching your favorite film and sitting down and story clocking it is super important to understand the beats and the flow of a movie. Yeah, and then writing and writing and writing and just doing it more and more and find people who you trust that could maybe read your scripts and give you some mm. feedback as well is really nice. I uh, remember I, I did that before when I was starting out, like I would just get all the screenwriters I knew, I'd be like, read this, does it suck? You know, and they'd be like, <laughs> <"Does> uh, <it laughs> suck? they'd be like, yeah. well, they'd give me ideas and feedback and stuff. And it was really helpful. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to point out neither of us went to college for this, but there are so many resources online very practically. I went to Celtics.com and they have lessons for screenwriting. And I literally just started with lesson one, how to write a log line and learned how to write a log line and just went on to lesson two. And I think it was like, you know, character development, setting, pacing, story clocking, went over the hero's journey, just familiarized myself with a lot of these things. And there's so many resources online these days that if you want to be a writer and you don't have any formal education in that, neither do we. So (laughs) welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with acting. You don't need formal. I mean, it's nice to have formal practice and it's good, but there are actors. Who is it? Was it um, uh, Midsommar? Florence Pugh. Did she have have formal acting or did she just kind of I don't know about her. I don't know much about her. I love her. I'm so pretty sure that she just like she didn't do formal training. I Good think she's her. just incredible. <laughs> but I could be wow. wrong. Don't quote me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> but you're right. No, that's great. Yeah. Those are like really great, yeah, like tangible yeah. tips. Yeah. yeah, like do this, do this. I like that. I would say mm-hmm. very, like, yeah. too, for somebody who's trying to get started with writing, find a cheaper free screenwriting software because it's going to make your life doable. <laughs> it's so it's actually mm-hmm. weirdly very hard to write like a Google Doc, which I have done. I have written a feature film in a Google Doc. I do not recommend. <laughs> it Don't is not do it. Fun. Oh my gosh. Sounds bad. <laughs> it is not fun. But Celtics.com is great. It's free, I'm pretty sure. I used that for a couple of years before and then I invested in Final Draft, which is obviously really nice and you can that's great too. But there are like free options out there for writing. So find find one of those. Celtics is a decent one, I think. And Celtics. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys, you get your inspiration, you outline, you write, you have your project. When you start moving into casting and like getting ready for production, like what does that process look, look like for you guys? Do you use, do you cast like within a bubble of people that you know? Do you post on uh, self-submission sites. Uh, yeah. What does all that look like for you guys? Yeah. The first thing we do when we write and, you know, we go into the producing process. We're like, okay, we have a script. It's great. 
here's a character, here's like our character breakdown. Cool. So let's find people to bring this movie to life. So the first thing we do is we think about like who do we already know who could work really well for this? And we usually we have like a lot of people that we've worked with in the past, like actors, and we'll usually start there and we'll also do a casting call on backstage. We use backstage for everything. Shout out backstage. I was like, come on guys, Shout come on backstage. Get on backstage. Get on backstage. <laughs> yeah. So get on backstage. So we'll do like a combination of that. And this is a little off topic, but I think it's important to know. We have gotten auditions from people from backstage who did not get the role for the commercial or the feature. But because just for whatever reason, it just didn't work, right? But we were like, this person's really nice. Their acting is amazing. They're really talented. And we put them in the back of our minds and on a Google Doc. And we say, okay, you are now in the pool of actors we would like to work with. And so when we go to cast a movie, we go, okay, first of all, let's check the list of all the actors that we know. And the people who are on that list might not have actually personally worked with us yet. But we have gotten a audition from them at some point that we liked. And we're like, this person would be great for something like really funny or whatever it is. Mm. And so just kind of like for any actor listening, like just because you didn't get that role doesn't mean that you're not going to get the next role or you might get called for something random at some point. So anytime you do a, an audition, just be as like, and anytime you interact with casting directors or anyone, just be as like professional and nice and great as you possibly can be and follow through and all that because you never know. Like seriously, there's so many people who ended up in like the other projects that we've worked with in the past that we got an audition from them like a year ago and they <laughs> and we're like, oh, I can finally use this person. I've been thinking about them at random for a project and they fit perfect for this. And so when we cast, we start there. So I think that's kind of just kind of a cool thing to know for any actor listening. <laughs> but um. I yeah, definitely. love that's that so, you talk yeah. about that. I was just I was just sharing with Bix the other day. I think this was on our episode that we just released. The point that I just found out on Actors Access for casting that when you send an audition on there as well, it actually goes into this little vault that the casting director has that no matter what, if they sent a one-liner to you or five-liner, so a co-star, which is one to five, or a guest star... And if you kind of shrug it off, go, eh, whatever, it's a few lines. But now they have that. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's something that they're going to refer to. So yeah, that's like they'll why, have it in their backlog of exactly. you Exactly. So right. whether it be a day player role, whether it be a, a lead or a supporting, like always put your best foot forward because that's what they're going to refer to all the time. So I really just like that it's coming straight from your mouth. Right. So you heard it here first. It's not just me saying <laughs> it. Yeah, it's like full it. circle. <laughs> it's, it's, you heard it from Kalani and Stephanie. <laughs> you heard it here. So, true and I love actors access and backstage works the same way and when we're casting we have a late night comedy show that's just like sketch comedy and we've been casting for that show before and I'll go back and go on backstage through all of the people who auditioned to play Darling and Lily Darling and just go through and reference that whenever I need references of locals who are like this type age range or whatever it was that was for that so it's very true it's in there still every single project we've ever casted, I can go back and reference it whenever I want to forever. Yeah. And it is, it works both ways though, because we have gotten auditions from people who I could tell they were really calling it in and did not care. And they did not do a good job, like even introducing themselves. It was just like, it's all, all the things, right? And we're like, okay, well, okay. I always watch all the auditions. That's very rare. People usually just skip the first like second, but I feel if they spent the time to actually read the lines and do it. It's very kind of I, you. Yeah, that's I watch, very, very I watch generous it all. of you. Very generous. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> but anyways, but we'll be like, okay, cool. They're definitely, you know, they're not what we're looking for. And they're not going to be like on the list of people we yeah. look for again, you know? And so it's like, they didn't make, they the, didn't list. make the list. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but how many opportunities that could that have been? You know what I mean? Like we've mm-hmm. we do a lot of stuff. And so if they just called it in that day and didn't care, like we know we keep track of who's auditioned and all that stuff. So it's like Absolutely. we know if they come back, mm-hmm. we're like, ah, oh, well, this p- person didn't care. So moving on. 
So I think that. Right. And if you don't care, why do I care? So, yeah, 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 exactly. Or if they're like just really like super unprofessional and all that stuff, you're like, well. Yeah, yeah. Right, know. yeah. You're like trusting them with your project exactly. and your time and everybody else's time. Mm -hmm. and right. Yeah. I totally. Get that. So it definitely and works both ways. <laughs> yeah, it does. When you're looking at these self tapes, and I know Connie said you watched the whole thing. And also, Stephanie, both of you, if you can just put a little input, what do you look for when you're casting your projects? Like, what is one of, I guess, the top three? Or maybe you just have one. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if you had to narrow it down to three things, what are those three major important points that you are looking for when an actor submits for one of your projects? Okay, well, I'll start with, I definitely have my three for sure. But I will start by saying I have had scenarios where someone sends in a self-tape and they're wearing a very bright yellow shirt that says ketchup across it, huge. And I watched the whole this self This is very specific. This has happened. This has happened. This exact thing has happened. Yeah. And at the end of the self-tape, I go, wait, all I saw was a ketchup logo. Hold on, I have to watch it again. <laughs> so that can be distracting. So I think just simple things of wearing something neutral with a not distracting background, being able to see your face clearly don't be too far away from the camera or, you know, just get right up in there. Let me see your face. Let me see what you look like. Let me see what you sound like and and all that. So very practical things that you can do to just send in a self-tape that works. And if you do at the beginning your intro of your name and things, some people do that at the end. And if you do it at the beginning, that's fine. Just make it quick. It's like we have a lot of auditions to go through. And if you're spending the first 30 seconds telling me about yourself, I need to get to the audition first and then spend the do it at the end. If you're going to do a longer one, that's totally fine. I have no problem with a longer one, but do it at the end because we just, we have a lot of audition tapes to get through. So those yeah. are like very practical things of ways that people can just make it easier for the casting director, you know? But when it comes to what I'm looking for in an actor is, is that performance believable? I know that's a weird way to say it, but it's hard to say, like, the difference between good acting and bad acting, I would just describe as, is it believable? Are you believing it? Or are you not believing it? Is it not believable? And that's a really easy way for me to pinpoint what's good and bad for acting. And then after that, it's, do they carry the essence of this character? Yeah. <laughs> which I know is hard. That's not really advice for an actor. You're like, I can't help my essence, you know? <laughs> But I like that you said that, Stephanie, because like a lot about what we talk about is like what is in our control of actors and what is not. Correct. What we can control is our truth, right? Are we telling our truth? Do we have a clear perspective? What is our opinion? But what we can't control is I just like that they're hearing it from your mouth. Like we can't control if we're like the right vibe or whatever for that role. Right. But you can, we can still be used for something else. But if we're just not good for that project, we're just not. Exactly. And that's so true. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad, yeah, that it it really goes to show like never, ever have your feelings hurt if you're not picked for a role because it could have been an essence thing. And you're like, your essence. like thanks a lot, director. <laughs> like, how, like, how, that's not helpful. I'm like, I know it's not. Sorry. It's just My essence part of the game. It's the essence. But I will My say this. If you do a really great audition and it's, it's believable and you're being – like Olivia said, really true to yourself and bring what you have to the table, a lot of times I'll get an audition for one role and that callback is for a different role. And so still just putting your best foot forward, I would, is always worth it. What about you, Kalani? What do you look for? You covered most of my things, but yes, the ketchup shirt. We'll never forget <laughs> the ketchup shirt. <laughs> you guys are scarred. I mean, I'm scarred. Very yellow. Oh my God. It was, the shirt was so bright. Let me tell you, it was the most obnoxiously loud shirt I've ever seen. I don't think I heard a word the guy said. It was just, oh, it no. was like, the, please wear just like a, just a generic <laughs> outfit for the love because we want to was see the, like, the, the acting. Yes. Was the scene, like, did it have, like, was there any like comedic element that he was trying to bring with this ketchup no, shirt or it was just like was just unrelated, unrelated, bad choice, <laughs> bad choice, bad choice. That's just what he already had on that day when he decided to do some self tapes. Yep. Yeah. It was yeah. what he already yeah. was wearing. Ketchup yeah. I he can't. was wearing his ketchup shirt I can't with this stupid shirt <laughs> yeah but anyways yes no ketchup shirts just wear like just regular clothes and uh backdrop just if you can just some sort of just neutral plain backdrop if you have a backdrop that's always nicer because really what you want to do is just like mm -hmm. we want to see you 
We don't want to get distracted by what's behind you. We don't want to get distracted by what you're wearing. We just want to see you act, you know? And so I think that's really important because I've seen a lot of crazy things going on in the background and I've seen a lot of, uh, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen a lot of ketchup shirts. So if we can, Uh-oh. more than <laughs> so many <As> ketchup shirts. <laughs> Honestly, someone who is a recruiter and I have to set, I have to set, you know, candidates up for interviews. I've heard the reason why I believe the crazy backgrounds thing. I heard so many stories from hiring managers that will reach back out to me and be like, you will not believe like (laughs) what was in the background of this person's interview was absolutely obscene. Like they'll like, like really grotesque like images. (laughs) They'll say, they'll be like, this image was so inappropriate. Like, I can't believe that was there during the, so it's just like somebody had their boyfriend snoring next to them as they were in the interview. Yeah. So my point being is I believe it. Like, like to see like obscene sometimes yeah, things because yeah. I see them too. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so funny. Yeah, different field, but yeah, yeah, no, you know, it translates. Same thing. So when you're looking through these self tapes, again, I know you're going to do self tapes for like day players. You're going to do self tapes for lead supporting, but getting a lead for your project is super important. So what are you looking for when you're? looking through self-taste, but specifically for landing that lead. So how is that different or is it different than when you're looking to cast? It's just a smaller role. For leads, I will say just in general, I know it's probably a little bit more work, but if you can read mm-hmm. off script, that is, you will like much higher chance of getting that role. <laughs> just saying that. like. So you prefer uh, self-tape no sides in hand. No, well, they can have sides in hand, but it's the least. If you're not holding the sides and you're just they acting, use them well. that's like that's double thumbs up for us. If you could do <laughs> that, we totally understand. Like if you if you're like just reading the role and you're like didn't have a lot of time to prepare, like I get it. Yeah. If you have sides in your hand, and people do a lot of self tapes in one week, I right. understand. Like for you guys, yeah, yeah. it's as many self-tapes as I can get out, the higher the chance. Right. But for us, we've right. received self-tapes where it's just somebody reading the whole time and off I'm like, of the script and it's like, okay. And they're just like, they're just looking at every other line. Like in it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how good you are it's, at acting. You're just reading this yeah. thing, right. you know? It's like a dance, like, how, like mm. doing the self-tapes with your sides, like learning the like appropriate way to work with your sides. Right. Like that is a skill within itself. Totally. So yeah, I can totally see how that it can be so distracting. And yeah, it hinders the actor's performance as totally. well. Totally. If they're just like buried in Exactly. It. So like sides are totally fine if you use them like correctly. <laughs> but if you're completely like memorized and off book, like that's even better. Cause now we're like, <laughs> s- like submerged in. Absolutely. And it also does show how prepared that actor was and how Mm -hmm. much they do care about this role too. And Mm -hmm. so I would say we have a lot more grace for like the sides thing if it's like, you know, a small part or day play or whatever. But for that lead role, like they got to be off. They got to be off book, you know, or pretty close to it. And because we want to know like how committed you are to this, how Mm. much you become this character. Like I want to get lost in who you are because you're bringing this character to life like that. Like we're deciding between all these actors, like who is this person? And so we want to see who brings that character to life in the best way. And you have the best chances if you're just like fully submerged in it. You know what I mean? And not not breaking and like looking at your sides or anything, but like fully there. And adding a little bit of movement is always nice too. Like maybe not just like running around like crazy, but I like, <laughs> but you know, adding a little bit of movement to the audition is always kind of nice too, because acting is movement. (laughs) So, you know, I've seen a lot of people who maybe they're off book, but they're just like standing there and not really moving a ton or at all. But having a little bit of movement is really, really nice because you can kind of see a lot of times some of that character really is in the way they move. So I think that like becoming that character and moving a little bit and being off book like really, really helps you understand how this actor in particular is going to bring this character to life. And how is the next actor going to do it? You know, it's like your movements and the, your emphasis and the way you act is going to be different than the next person's and the next person's. And so when you're looking at all of that, 
you're like, who does this person, which actor brings this character to life? Who is this character? Right. And that does not usually fully come through unless all the actors are off book. Yeah. And I think that's something maybe you could talk to as actors if you could say, yeah, I do act differently when I'm off book or not. Or maybe I'm- Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely do because you can't fully- dive into the character if you're thinking, what's my next line? I feel like you're just doing yourself a disservice by not getting really studying the script. And yes, granted, there are like, it's not black and white, you're gonna have sometimes five auditions in a week. And that's really hard. But you know, just like you try the best to your ability to try to bring like you said, bring the character to life, you hit so many great points. And I'm so just yes, because if I was like, I loved every point you really brought up because they also like the whole thing with the eyes. I couldn't agree more because acting like I know casting directors, at least what I believe and you can tell is that you really look for what's happening behind the eyes. Like you need there to be life. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how you see if someone means what they say. Right. By looking. Yeah. So if you're constantly breaking the eye contact, it's also breaking your focus right. as well. So and also like so much of acting is us like hearing and Mm -hmm. experiencing things. So if we have our sides and you don't know how to like use them exactly properly or you didn't have a lot of time, those moments that you're looking down for your lines is when the other person is talking to you, which you should be using that to show your experience of hearing them and listening to them. And it takes away like, it just like cuts your, can cut your performance like in half just by like that like technical issue of it. Totally. Exactly. And that is something that we have looked for before in auditions is something that really separates the more experienced actors from the less experienced actors that I've come across is the ones who know how to act when they don't have lines. And that is Mm. when you can see that in an audition. And sometimes you might wonder like, wow, why did they send me this side? There's so much of this where I don't even have a line. But it's what are you going to do when you don't have lines? That's really important too. And it really comes through and I can see that in people who have a lot more experience or less experience with acting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Liv Just agrees yes. with me. <laughs> so profound. Liv and I agree about everything. <laughs> no, I got a self-tape a couple weeks ago and I had – it was like three pages but my character only had one line and it was like – like a hoedown they were doing like the square dancing and like it was this whole action scene and yeah I only had one line and I brought it to my acting coach and I was like what the hell do I do with this and she like helped me uh work through it because it was just like so much action but that was one of the hardest self-tapes that I've ever done and I only had one line so wild but it was like all that like I know it was really crazy I didn't get it but that's how but you did the right thing though you did the right thing. oh totally yeah but yeah, that's, that's such a good point. Like what happens, like your reaction to everything. It's not just your lines, you know, and I think that's that's a really good mm-hmm. point. It's like, yeah, do your best to, for delivery, of course. But like the other side of it is like listening and what are you doing while you're doing that? And so, yeah, that's such an extreme. One line. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it was so crazy. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just had to be like mean and that was it. Do you cast based off of self-tapes? Do you do like in-person callbacks now? Do you do chemistry reads? Like what is honestly the progression of that? Yeah, so what we'll do a lot of the times is we'll just do like, we'll always do an open casting call on backstage because we're just like, you never know who is just going to like blow your mind. So we're just like open casting call anyone. And so we get a lot of auditions. We read through them, we see them. But then once we like weed it down, we always do like a callback. And a lot of times it's like read a different scene from the movie type of like a secondary Mm. scene. And from there, we usually make our decision, which is pretty rare. A lot of times people like do like an in-person thing or a chemistry test, which I think we'd like to do maybe in the future. But right now it's literally usually just like one audition and then a callback type audition and phone call and then we're in. So it's pretty nice. pretty straightforward over here, mm-hmm. but I know it can get, for other productions, it can get pretty, a lot more stages. And <laughs> yeah. part of that for us is for practical reasons where we've done casting on features for leads very close to when we're going to start filming. And it's just, hey, hey, you got the part, do you want it? You know, sometimes that's the case, which is always a really fun call <laughs> to make. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, we... He was like a rush cast. Yeah. yeah, he was. When we casted, we casted Hunter Cole to play Adam, who is opposite Shout out of Hunter. He's amazing. Sky Hoshi. Yes. And it was a very last minute casting on that. So that was an extreme. But it's that's the fun <laughs> thing about this industry is there's really no right and wrongs. And as soon as you think you got it all figured out, something throws you a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I do have a question about, so I feel like I have, like, I don't have the best idea, but I have an idea. I'm like, okay, I get what casting, writing, I have an idea of these things. You know what I have no idea about? I'm going to tell you. Production. And even me and Bix were like, we want to hear more about, like, what like, what do you do when you produce things? Like, what is I literally wrote in our she wrote notes. It, I love it. Tell it to me like I'm five. I love it. <laughs> tell it to me like I'm five. Tell it to me like I'm five. <laughs> when a producer is? Because, <laughs> like. Yeah, what is your responsibility? Like, I genuinely, like, I'm like, okay, what are the responsibilities? Like, what are the goals of a producer? Like, I know, I, I, I like, I'll like pretend I know, but I'm like, no, no, no. yeah, producer. Honestly, let me, let me tell you this. For the longest time, me and Stephanie couldn't even answer that question either. We were like, <laughs> producing. So what is this? What is it? You know, it's yeah, such so a, we don't know. It's such a like ambiguous title. You're like, what yes. is this? Seriously. So there, that is, de- that's a valid question for real, but yeah. no joke. <laughs> But I think Stephanie Stephanie is the world's greatest producer, and she can answer this question extremely well. Please Take tell away. us what is perfect. I will say Hollywood is to blame because the word producer as the credit in Hollywood means so many different things. And I think that's really the root of it because there can be the credit of executive producer, which could mean so many different things. There's also the credit of an associate producer or a co-producer, which also mean a lot of different things. And then there's the produced by producer, which is the very practical <laughs> producer. So I can go more mm-hmm. in depth of explaining all of that, but I think I will say that's where this confusion comes from and why so many people don't fully understand what does producer mean? What do producers do? So executive producer could mean as simple as, I put my name on this so it will sell better. AKA Steven Spielberg was the executive producer of Super 8. He didn't direct oh. it. He didn't write it. He's an executive producer so that it will sell better so that they can say, executive producer Steven Spielberg presents Super 8, right? <laughs> executive oh, wow. producer okay. could mean that you funded it. You helped pay for it. You helped get it off the ground. Anything that you did to help get a movie off the ground. If there's a key actor in it that only that producer's friends with, then they're mm-hmm. like, I'm an executive producer now because I got this famous <laughs> actor in it and I connected this famous actor with this production. Now I get producer credit and that's all I did. Mm-hmm. So now they yeah. have a producer credit. So executive producers, anybody who helped make it so that that movie could happen, getting it off the ground, getting it greenlit, you can have mm. an executive producer credit. Same thing with associate producer. I was associated with making this production happen, but I'm not as high up as an executive producer. I, I didn't help fund it, but I did something, and now I'm attached as an associate producer, and the list goes on and on. So that's why producer oh can God. be very confusing in Hollywood. Now, yeah. us humble little independent filmmakers over here <laughs> don't really have a lot of that going on because it's just us making movies. So then there's the, the title Produced By... And that is the administrative work that went into making a movie happen. The produced by producer is the one who oversaw and managed. It's really, you could have called it manager. It is probably a better word for it. They're the ones who made sure all of the people got casted, all the Mm -hmm. locations got booked, all the craft services took place, all the wardrobe and hair and makeup and crew was booked. And then there's the post-production producer who managed and made sure the editing happened, the visual effects was there, we had a composer, we hit the deadline. And then there's the line producer, which is the producer who's responsible for making sure that the movie stays within budget. But in my case, I am the line producer and the produced by producer and the executive producer all in one <laughs> because that's independent filmmaking. <laughs> Simple enough. So... That is a very long, complicated answer as to what a producer is and what they do and why that role is so confusing within Hollywood. But just like a little shortcut to all of that is a producer is the person who makes a lot of the decisions. 
most of the decisions. And so the director makes a lot of decisions as well, of course, but the director and producer have to work together to make those decisions. So yeah. Yes. So the director is the keeper of the story and is responsible for the creative. I love that line. But the producer is the one who says, if you want to get this movie to happen within budget, we need to cut a location because we can't afford that location. (laughs) So there's the difference. Yeah. So the director is like the dreamer and the producer just there to kill it if they have to. Correct. Exactly. That's exactly right. It is very true. No, you actually really did hit a nail on the head there, Liz. It's so real. I'm not even kidding. It is so real because when I'm the writer and director of Lily Darling, Kalani is the producer, and we do have that tension where we keep each other in balance because the director is the dreamer, and they will run off and they will say, oh, it's so worth it for this story to do this thing or get this thing or we need this. And they're dreaming and they're creating and they're being artistic. And the producer has to kind of bring them back down to planet Earth, which is this is a very low-budget indie right. film. Like, and It would be so great. I think for the story, we need a Ferrari. And I'm like, uh, no, we got a Corolla. So, uh. <laughs> we got a Corolla. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And then, so. and then Ferrari, vice versa, when he's the writer-director and he's dreaming and I'm over here going, are you sure this is necessary? Are we sure we need to spend that there and that there? So it really is the tension and the rub. And the hardest thing is when you're your own director, producer, because you have that conflict happening within your own brain. But the really, Mm. really good directors understand this and know how to do that. And that is something we did not touch on earlier about script writing that is really important is being able to write a script with a budget in mind. Because if you write a script that costs too much to ever get made, it's never going to get made if you're in the independent filmmaking world like we are. Oh, my gosh. I know what a producer is now. Girl, you know what a producer is. <laughs> that, that, that's Screaming actually from uh, the rooftops. Yeah. <laughs> so happy for well, you. <laughs> I don't know. No, I really like this whole time. I'm just like, you would say the word, but like, what am I even saying? <laughs> I love it. What am I even saying? <laughs> well, I want to spend this like last five minutes or so. I want you guys to definitely plug in where everybody can see your work. Yeah, where our listeners can support you. And also, if Kalani, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about Sky Hoshi, like what is it about? Let's get the folks excited yes, about this. I am do it. so excited to talk about <laughs> Sky Hoshi. I'm here for it. Sky Hoshi Anime Girl coming at you. It is the my second feature film. And I am just like so excited about this movie. It is about a an anime character who falls out of a poster and becomes real and has to find her way back home, back to the anime. And so there is so much, it was literally a dream of a project to make and we had so much fun making it. And it has like laser guns and ramen. And we actually filmed at Anime NYC, which was like a really big deal. So we got to like go to like the convention of anime conventions and film there. And it was just so much fun and Liv killed it. She did such a great job. So, yes, this movie is releasing in April, April 21st. And my birthday month, by the hey, way. happy so birthday. I was so hyped. When you said <laughs> April 21st, I was like, this is the best birthday present. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. So good. Yes, happy birthday. It's coming out. Just That's an epic birthday gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I know. Mm-hmm. First feature film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be coming out on Pure Magic Pictures. You should be able to stream it there. And it's a fantasy movie. And it's got a ton of heart. Like, it's got a lot of heartfelt moments. It has a ton of comedy. And it's just all around a a really good time. And so I I just can't wait for people to watch it. Is there any, like, moment about the movie that you want to talk about? Like, because I know you were a Hoshi. So, like, is there any moments you want to talk about? Like (laughs) That's, like, when they... Because Kalani asked me, he's like, what's your favorite scene? I'm like, how do I pick? <laughs> right, yeah. I would, yeah, because I, I don't want to give away things. You can spoil a thing or two. It's okay. A thing <laughs> or two. It don't matter. Um, I feel like my favorite scenes were the scene, and I think I told you this before, but the scene, even though I almost died from the climate, <laughs> um, I think one of my favorite was that moment that I share with Adam by the water when we're kind of approaching 
possibly my end mm-hmm. without giving things away. <laughs> but no, I really love that moment because there was just something so I'm not even saying this like but there was just something so human about it because like you know she is kind of like you know but right. but um yeah <laughs> there was something so human and something so grounding about that monologue because I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to what Sky was saying and I think I did so those moments that really grounded me mm-hmm. were my favorite also I basically the two monologues are actually my favorite where I like tell the story of Sky Hoshi and the jar mm-hmm. that brought her the, and the stars the within it that yeah see I don't want to say this is what I mean I feel it's like okay. I'm tiptoeing you, around you know, it. know but you're getting me excited you can, you can talk about the jar you can talk about the jar oh okay yeah. they find <laughs> like, out in the first like three minutes of the film about the jar <laughs> so we can spoil um, the first there's three there's a jar with stars in it and there was a wish that was made that brought Sky Hoshi to life and yeah, that monologue was also my favorite, just telling the story of Sky and these wishing stars. Uh, it's very magical. I felt like I was having my like Lord of the Rings moment there. And then, yeah, and then okay, definitely the first one where that monologue where I'm basically saying don't take life for granted. Right. And I feel like so many of us do. And because a lot of the, the film is a lot of fun and there is a lot of action. There's comedy. They're very like quirky moments. But my favorite were those really like really human and relatable moments that I feel like everyone who's watching can relate to. Those are some of my favorite moments. Yeah, same. I mean, the movie is so extremely sweet. There's a lot of comedy and a lot of like adventure and all this fun stuff. And there's, I love all these moments with the laser gun, but like, oh, yeah. there's, there's the so many, shots, yeah, there's yeah. so many good moments with you and a laser gun. It's great. Yeah. But, uh, I'm so excited. And my heart like feels warm like, hearing the way you're talking about it. Like it feels oh, like, yeah. very comforting yes. and sweet. No. There are some that those are my favorite moments. Yeah. The comforting, sweet ones. But there's yeah. just so many great, like human, really sweet moments between like, Sky and Adam, the two main characters, and it really, I think the movie will really give people like a new appreciation for things like what mm-hmm. that's are kind of already sitting in front of them. And that's kind of like one of the things I, I hope people get out of it is, of course, yeah, I hope people just really fall in love with the things that are already in their life and uh, appreciate them for being there. So uh, it's a sweet movie and it's very funny. So I can't wait. I can't wait for people yes, to see it. Yes. And you can see it at puremagicpictures.com. And do you guys want to plug your social media? Sure. Where can people find you? I would love to plug our social media and also just extend an invitation to anyone who's listening to this podcast, whether you're an actor, a writer, an editor, a filmmaker, and you want to connect with us and reach out to us. We're very approachable. We're very easy to get a hold of. We love meeting other people who are in the industry, who are doing the independent film entrepreneur, go out and make it happen thing. We want to meet you. We want to be inspired by each other or maybe collaborate. So we are on Instagram at Pure Magic Pictures. We're also puremagicpictures.com. There are emails on there. There are so many different ways to get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you and come and enjoy and support small business. <laughs> Indie movies, baby. Yes. Indie movies. Support small yeah. business. Support small businesses, maybe. Yeah, so the story behind us and Olivia is, or Liv, as we say on the podcast, is... Um, <laughs> So we were doing a commercial for Plex years and years ago. Oh my gosh, was it like six years ago now? A long six time. years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, it's been a long, long, time. long time. And so we found Olivia on backstage, I believe, and at that point, and yeah, we ended up getting connected with her, and she we cast her for the commercial, and I remember we just like she was so professional and sweet on set, and we just had such a great time with her. That we were like, okay, she's cool. Next time we have something, <laughs> let's let's hit her up again because this was fun. You know, she was great. And so a little while went by, like like a year maybe, maybe maybe year and a half or something. Or yeah. And then we had another opportunity uh, where we had this other commercial we were doing. It was the, the tree yes. was the fun one. And it was it was eat. Tasty yeah. Island Crate. <laughs> it was a uh, Caribbean yeah. snacks commercial. And so we had to get a couple actors in for it. And we were like, oh, you know. 
Liv was like really cool and we had her like on the list and we're like, okay, cool. We haven't talked to her in like a year, but hey, let's hit her up, see if she's around. <laughs> so we hit her up and she's like, I'm here for it. And so she showed up and she ate snacks and did a great job and like killed it as always. And that was like really fun to work with her again. And so, and then we did our first feature film, Plunder Quest. And I was like, okay, you know, we had auditions come in and all this stuff. And so we ended up casting it. But I was like, we have these other roles. And I thought of Olivia. I was like, you know, I think she'd be perfect for this part. And so I wrote this, just a small part. And I wrote it in there. And I was like, hopefully she's around. I think I mentioned this earlier. And then she came in and <laughs> she came in. She showed up early. She was super like nailed it, did an amazing job. And then for all the listeners, Liv is like beaming right now. <laughs> She's smiling ear to ear. <laughs> oh, yeah. But she like, that's one thing too. Mm -hmm. Side note, she always shows up early and oh, extra yeah. points, Ridiculous. extra points for that. But she like showed up early. She never complained. Never complained once. Always has a great. It was a, a weird day that day that she came and she ended up showing up early, but we had a a lot of hiccups in production, which when actors are gracious about that is so great because we have so many things, yeah. <laughs> so many different moving parts. And it was, she ended up having to wait around for quite some time and there was never a complaint or it never made us feel bad that she had to wait for so long too. Right. And honestly, like it was a very long, crazy day that day. And so like Olivia was like this little ray of sunshine on set for us. <laughs> Try not to smile um, anymore. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just so great working with her that day. Mm -hmm. And of course, the slap. Everyone knows about the slap. <laughs> it's like the moment that we use in every single trailer and on everything. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch any... <laughs> Gotta check out the check slap. Out the I slap. basically just uh, I slapped the crap out of uh, <laughs> Thomas. Uh, what's Thomas yeah. Waters? Yeah. Thomas Waters. He slapped Waters. the crap out of his face. Um, yeah. But anyway, so she was just so great to work with that day. And then we were like, okay, we just have to like have her as a lead in a movie. Like this has to happen because like she's crazy talented and she's just so like professional and takes direction so well. I'm like, about to clip this part and put in my reel, <laughs> even though it's not even part of the reel. I want casting directors. I want, I want casting, casting directors, directors to, 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 to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Have them call us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, but no, um, but it was great. Like, and so we're like, let's just, we need to get her in like a feature as like the lead because she's just like, she's just so great to work with. And so the Squatchers came about and, you know, mm. a lot of moving pieces with that movie. It was a really, really big movie, ton of moving pieces. Movie ended up getting postponed, but she was, again, super gracious about like the movie kind of just getting postponed or whatever. And we were like, okay, we have to change course. Let's work on this other film that we're like excited about. But we're like, let's make her the lead in this one. Like that makes perfect sense. So then she was, she became Sky Hoshi, which nobody else could have been Sky Hoshi. Like it's just, <laughs> it was amazing. But anyways, all that goes to say. And how good was Olivia's audition for Sky Hoshi? <laughs> Man, that audition oh. for Sky Hoshi blew us away. And I'm kidding because she did not audition. We we gave her the role with no audition. Yeah. I was like, she, like we, at that point. We trusted yeah, her. Yeah, we, we, we completely trusted her because she yeah. did such a great job. Every single time she was so consistent. And I think that's like something to learn from, you know, any actor listening, like, she took the smallest little role and was so great and blew us away and so professional and showed up early and followed up and always like responded to call sheets, like everything to the T, as perfect as it can go. And she was consistently always like that and always a, like, like a pleasure to have on set. And she was always on our short list, like anytime. And so when this opportunity came about, it's like, it was just an obvious, like, let's get her in to play the lead for Sky Hoshi because, like, mm -hmm. she was just always so great to work with and we became friends and she's great. And so I think that's just something we were saying earlier is, like, just because you might not get that, like, big role in that audition or whatever, like, always treat them, like, with respect and with yeah. this could, you're planting seeds every time. Like every yeah, single time. I love that. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you never know. And building relationships and yeah. yeah, building this trust with somebody. Yeah, because like she didn't have to audition to be the lead role of Sky Hoshi because she has always killed it and earned our trust with everything we've always mm -hmm. done. And mm -hmm. so we just knew what she was capable of. And so by that point, we're like, okay, yes, this is perfect. So 
yeah, I think that's just something cool for people to hear. Like, yeah, take the smallest little role and just like give treat it, it real. Treat it with respect. Mm-hmm. Treat it real, and because you never know what that's going to lead to. Absolutely, I love that you you brought that. And uh, what do they say? There's there's no such thing as small roles. <laughs> it's just small actors, <laughs> just right? Small actors. Isn't, that, isn't that a quote yeah, or something? Yeah, some, <laughs> or, it is. Some guy said Someone that. Said that, 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 that. Yeah. I heard that somewhere but once. My, yeah, I appreciate you bringing up that point, really. And not just because you got to talk about myself or five well, minutes. Yeah, so. But I'm um, no kidding. <laughs> no, but it's because it is important to hear for other actors to hear that. Yeah, so take every audition seriously because you don't know where it's going to lead. Totally. And treat all your relationships with respect. Do not burn bridges. Yeah. Exactly. We have a lot of people we've worked with who have been like not so great on set and we're like okay well we're never calling them back Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people like olivia who we love working with and we work we they're always on the short list anytime we have an opportunity so i think that it's important from every audition you're planting seeds and Mm -hmm. making sure that those auditions are like treated with respect and super well done and then at that point if you ever get even the smallest thing like treat it Treat it so well, be professional and like super pleasant with everybody because it's about relationship building and trust building. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> that's I all. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For all the MACTAs um, out there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. As always, you can find us on Instagram at ITM with Liv and Bix. You can find us on TikTok at Liv and Bix. And if you have anything you want to say to us, something funny, something sweet, something about your life, a question about acting, you can send it to us at liveandbix at gmail.com. We also wouldn't hate it if you would rate and review. Of course. And thank you again to our yes. special guest. Thank you so this much. This was so awesome. Thanks for having us. So much wisdom was imparted on our <laughs> listeners. And as always, we would love to invite you into our little goodbye chant. Sweet. I guess. Our chant. <laughs> what a chant. All right. So we just say all right, and then the bye is elongated. Got Are you it. Ready? Have fun with no, it. I, Have fun. I'll give it my all best. Right. Make a choice. I'll, make it, I'll stick to it. I'll commit. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the moment with us. Our amazing cover art is by at Hyperjuice on Instagram. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at ITM with Live and Vic. Like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you're feeling extra generous, we won't hate it if you rate and review. Bye. Bye.